So how long have you been drawing comic books? Since I was about seven years old, little kid. What'd your parents think about it? They hated it. They hated it. Oh, yeah. After I, I got a job and they saw that you can make a living out of third day, you'll hear no complaints anymore. And you created X-Force? Mm -hmm. So what is the drawing on? This is the Spike Man. And what's this right here? This is the camera on top of your head that will record the wrongdoings of others. So Rob, have you had any formal art training? No. Just uh, a lot of imagination, I think. Wait, so, so I say it and then look down? Or just open it and say it? Fly button? Hello everyone, welcome to Struggle Session. I am your host, Leslie Lee III. Today, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, the host of Jack AM, Jack Allison. Thank you so much for listening to this special bonus, bonus, bonus episode of Struggle Session, whether it's at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus. Thank you so much. You help us do this show. So today we are talking about Image Comics. This is uh, one people have requested we we uh, talk about. We'll be talking about some of the launch itch issues from the Rockstar Comic Book <laughs> Company. Yes, it, there guys... was such a thing in nineteen ninety two. There was such a thing as Rockstar <laughs> Comic Book. These guys were so cool. They were like doing like gene advertisements they were doing they were like they were like on tv like models you know like uh calvin klein or something like that yeah i lived through this but even when i was going back for research uh today and there's actually a very good uh uh documentary uh, that the sci-fi channel did a few years back that i'll link in the show notes about this like i saw those moments and i was like wait a minute yeah rob leefield was on a jeans commercial they did cover the launch of image image comics on entertainment television that shit was fucking wild and i i, I had memory hold it because it's, it's not a thing that should have happened it's another one of these things where you're like the 90s were just insane i i, I also watched the hbo max beanie babies documentary and oh, I'm like, yeah. man, before 9-11, things were just different. Things were just different <laughs> yes. in this country before 9-11. So let's set the uh, the scene for Image Comics. So you have these artists slash writers, primarily artists. Primarily yeah, after reading the the first issues, I'd say they're primarily artists. So <laughs> the the writing is, is secondary. The main two were Todd McFarling and Rob Liefeld, who uh, they done uh, Spider-Man and then I think New Mutants and X-Force, who were working on uh, Spider-Man and then uh, New Mutants and X-Force respectively. These comics were selling like a million copies. Like the, the X-Men number one sold like millions of copies. Now I feel like Batman sells like 15,000 copies or something like that but back in the 90s like when they were relaunching X-Men it was selling millions of copies yeah so uh these artists you know along with Rob Liefeld uh the Jim Lee who was working on X-Men which was the biggest selling comic of all time I think at like 8 million uh copies total huge uh co comic book market and also all these artists and creators with a lot of power because people were buying th these comic books, not necessarily to see Wolverine. They wanted to see Jim Lee or Mark Silvestri uh, 
draw Wolverine. They wanted to see Todd McFarlane draw Spider-Man. And yeah. they had the power to basically say, uh, fuck you to both Marvel and DC. In fact, these men uh, who uh, started with Todd McFarlane, uh, and Rob Liefeld, they were pissed off. They were able to convince Jim Lee, who was the biggest, uh, who didn't really have any problems with Marvel at the time, but they were still able to talk. Jim him Lee's just shrewd. Into walking I think. Away. I think like Jim Lee heard the pitch and he's like, "Yep, there's money there." Like yeah. Jim Lee didn't have any beef. I feel like Jim Lee to this day just seems like sort of the nicest company man that's ever worked in comics, you know. <laughs> uh, but they got him to they got him to walk. Yeah, I should say the main beef is that, of course, uh, Todd McFarlane created Venom, uh, Rob Liefeld created Cable and Deadpool. These are characters that have made billions. Let's probably, be fair, though. Let's them. be fair, though, that creating Deadpool was making taking Wade Wilson from DC, a character called Deathstroke, yeah, and then renaming him Deadpool and calling him Slade Wilson. So. But this has been a this has been a problem through the history of comics, which is basically like, you know, going back to, you know, uh, Siegel and Schuster and even like Jack Kirby, they would create all these characters that would make these companies millions of dollars. But when they're, you know, billions of dollars that still make these companies billions of dollars. Uh, but then they when they do it under work for hire, the companies end up cutting them out and basically people die penniless. Like the guys that created Superman died like unable to pay for their like medical bills and shit like that yeah like jim starlin he created thanos who was in the biggest one of the biggest uh grossing movies of all time he got a couple of grand uh for for all his efforts on that like they they still screw over these guys yeah. and so that's why it basically was a it was a labor walkout uh they said mm -hmm. we're leaving these companies we're leaving marvel and they actually took the time they uh, they had rob leefield again todd mcfarlane he got in jim lee you know the biggest artist uh there who had never worked for dc and they brought him over uh to dc after they quit marvel and like sat down with him like they were doing a pitch meeting like <laughs> oh we're gonna come over here and work for you and then they they let the dc guys get all excited all in to it and then at the end they just said oh we're just telling you this because we're going to start our own comic books company we were just letting you know that we were quitting marvel to start our own company not it, to work for you it's the funniest story of this entire thing is that they for some reason took a meeting at dc to be like we also won't work for you which is like truly weird and petty and just like so hilarious and, and that's why i maybe they <laughs> end up being like rock stars because there really yeah. was like a real fuck you to it because they knew they knew for a fact also that they could just get hired back if they ever like well, yeah, that, if they yeah, that, flopped that on their face. They thing. could. It's just... like they're still gonna want me to fucking draw Spider Man. You know what I mean? Like the, Todd McFarlane knows that Marvel would like even if he like you know gave him the finger and walked out. Like they're still gonna want him to draw Spider Man. One thing I think is that since this time Marvel and DC have never get let it get like this again they have like never let an artist get so big oh, no. uh, and be the like star of a comic like they would never let it happen again oh absolutely not is they've uh, glommed on to writers i think they've allowed yeah. a few writers to be stars but i feel like i don't know writers just at least according to alan moore they were easier to control <laughs> <laughs> i don't know yeah they've let the writers become rock stars but for some reason 
the writers just play ball so much more, except for Alan Moore. And they kind of just feel it feels like it feels like the writers still like they're like they're allowed to do their side creative stuff and create our own stuff. But they're like, you can just do it here at D.C. Like they realized like what these guys want is to be able to sell, you know, these ideas to movie studios. And so they're like, fine, Bendis, if you want to write fucking, you know, powers and try to sell that to FX go with God, but we still want you writing, you know, Superman, you know, we still need your name <laughs> on the Superman book. And so with, uh, all, all the guys, so all, all total, they were able to bring in Eric Larson, Jim Lee, Rob, Rob Liefeld, Todd McFarlane, Will Spartatio, who unfortunately was not able to participate. in I think the first year of the launch because his sister, uh, had passed away and everybody, I remember when this happened, like everybody was waiting on his, his comic, wet works, wet works, but it just, uh, ended up not coming, which was a problem with image comics in the general, uh, Mark Silvestri and Jim Valentino. They all quit, uh, quit the big two, form their own company and immediately become like these media sensations. They're getting reported on the news, like Marvel stock price drops uh, precipitously when it's announced that these guys are forming their own company. The big two were shook and they should be because when the comics started coming out, they sold like blockbusters. I mm-hmm. remember my comic book guy, I was like in fourth or fifth grade. He was like, pulled me inside and said, look, you got to get off this Marvel stuff. You got to start getting image comics. Like it was the first time I ever had a pull box. I remember my mom was standing there. He was like evangelizing to me because everyone knew it's like on a certain level that this, these big two companies had like a death grip on the world of comic books and that had to be broken and this was the first uh uh, time that you know artists were felt empowered to and in a big group to kind of walk away and form this company that said they we they would not own anything except the image logo that's it all your characters belong to you I think I came to them through some through like parodies of them, honestly. Like I read like comedy comics and like I think that they like parodied, you know, early spawn and stuff like that. And that made me want to read the original image comics. So I was not like I don't know. I didn't I wasn't like old enough or I I, I didn't follow enough like sort of big two superhero comics enough to to know like the hype surrounding all this. Um, But I did go and read them all. And, you know, I think also I was into Cerebus when I was younger. You know, the 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 Aardvark Aardvark, guy, the sexist Aardvark. Yes, of course. Well, the creator (laughs) is uh, is big trouble. Let's not talk about the the creator. But I did like Cerebus and um, he guested he did like a an issue of spawn i think issue nine or something like that where cerebus came and like met spawn in that issue um so yeah i've 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 also read like i read like i don't i don't know if i read it then or if i picked it up late but i've read like probably 150 or 200 issues of savage dragon before i fell off uh so i've i've read a lot of these and, and i like them you know and i actually like them a lot you know especially in these early image comics there's a feeling, you know, when you read big two comics of just like nothing can ever change and everything yes. is going to kind of return to that status quo. And like, you know, the ownership of the characters is reflected both like in how they treat the creatives and in the actual like stagnancy of the storytelling, you know. And I think that people kind of like in the early days of Image, it was exciting because even in rea- <clears throat> though in reality, they kind of like were 
trying to just sort of create, you know, sort of standard, um, you know, monthly comics, you know, stories. There was a feeling that like anything could happen in these stories and that the creators would be able to take them in weird and different ways. And I think you can arguably say that, you know, some Marvel, some some image comics like absolutely have uh, done, you know, sort of more interesting and cohesive stories uh, than what you see over at uh, Marvel. Yeah, so we're going to take a look at four the the first four launch titles. Uh, Rob Liefeld's Extreme Studios Youngblood number one, but uh, and uh, Todd McFarlane's uh, Spawn number one. Wild, uh, Jim Lee's from uh, Wildstorm Productions. Actually, when it started, it was called Aegis, like a shield, but then he changed it to Wildstorm, and that's Wildcats number one. And Eric Larson's Savage Dragon number one, and and Savage Dragon only one. Uh, I think maybe Spawn is still ongoing, but I know Savage Dragon like has not stopped. Like oh, yeah. at all with Eric Larson. No, Eric Larson at is at that. Eric Larson is at that sort of. He's doing his Jack Kirby thing. Like he really is just like I'm drawing Savage Dragon every month until I die. <laughs> you know. God bless him. So yeah, Spawn's y- still going, but I feel like it's gone to other creative yeah, teams, and Todd McFarlane doesn't really do it anymore and stuff. Yeah, definitely. Has he started his own little? Um, fiefdom over there with the toys. The toys yeah. were the toys were a key. Uh, who who knew that people would just like want cool looking fucking toys and pay ten dollars for them? It is funny that he was the first guy to figure out like toys shouldn't look like just absolute shit. <laughs> <laughs> they should just look a little better than absolute shit. All right. So starting off with Young Blood number one, which is a bizarre comic. First of all, because it's like two parts. Where it introduces you to the away team and the home team of young blood, who are like a government run spec op superpower group. And and the way team is basically sent to not Iraq to assassinate <laughs> Saddam Hussein. And that's just it. That's the comic. It's, and it's a, pretty much and they all do it. action. It pretty much just and and you know. It, it it this comic is is almost entirely action. It's like from page two, they're coming out of the helicopter and invading Iraq, <laughs> and, and because Iraq is like invading Israel or something like something that, something like that. But one thing I do want to know is at least with the away team, there is not the the sense that they're necessarily the one hundred percent clean good guys. This comic, and I think a lot of the image comics are doing the critiques of, you know, are doing the, the, you know, superheroes as like a paramilitary force, superhero as a corporate force, superhero Mm -hmm. heroes um, working uh, as a cop. Yeah. As cops in, in ways that, you know, the main, a lot, some uh, that, you know, 20 years down the line, people were getting praised for, you know, this is years and years before, you know, ultimates and stuff What you have young blood, which is a very similar type type of faction where they're not necessarily the good guys. They are. And like, they lie to, it's like, it's their actions are covered up on the news because like they is told that they, he, uh, Hussein was killed himself, killed himself when he was yeah. actually just brutally murdered. Uh, yeah. by the There's team. a whole page where they're like, how are we going to sell this one? And it's like, they have just like blown him up with a grenade. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like, and, what are we going to do about this? And there's no like implication that these guys are the good guys. You actually could read this comic and then conclude that, oh, the away team are like the villains and maybe the home team are like the good guys and they're going to fight. 
Yeah. Was this, If am I remembering correctly that this was like a flip it over and yes. read the other side comic? Yeah, because we're reading the digital edition. So yeah, I that is that is a little bit of fun, you know, that it's like a, you flip it over and then read the other half of the story. I always yeah. like that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think the home team is the more popular one. The more pop, That's the one where you got Shaft, you got Sha- Chapel, you got Bedrock, right. you got the like the robot guy, uh, a die hard, oh, let me go through, away team, Brahma, Riptide, Photon, yeah. Sci-Fi, <laughs> Sentinel, Cougar. <laughs> Honestly, the home team are barely memorable as characters, but the away team, it's like, I have never heard of these characters before in my life, and I read this before. Uh, right, so Youngblood home team, are, are, you got some heavy hitters there. Oh, Bed- yeah. Bedrock was really popular. Bedrock some, just kicks ass, and, and the look of Bedrock is cool with the big, the big fucking shoulder shoulder, shoulder pads, and the fa- he just looks cool. Like he's a cool kind of version of you know the thing or Hulk yeah. or something like that. Uh, combat and Chapel, pretty cool. Vogue, yeah. okay. Die Hard, pretty decent. Shaft, I, I like. I always dig Shaft. He's like a fake Shatterstar with a bow and arrow. Yeah, uh, very much. Uh, you know, Rob Liefeld going back to the well on these character designs, oh, yeah. but a lot of them work. A lot of them do. I mean, end I, up this is also Rob Liefeld. You know, he's like, well, if you're not going to let me keep the characters that I stole and created for you at Marvel, I'm going to steal your characters again <laughs> and just and just do it again. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if he stole all of them. I mean, who he steal Cable from? I know he, he just he. Stole- You're right. Cable's not stolen. I'm 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 being harsh on Rob Liefeld, and I shouldn't be because honestly, I, I this comic, I really I really kind of liked. You know, I think that the dialogue is pretty dumb, um, but you know, I'll be damned. And a lot of people make fun of Rob Liefeld's art and his sort of like, you know, his grasp of anatomy and stuff like that. But I'll be, I'll be damned if these pages are not fucking so dynamic and it's, and it's all done without, without too much like computer coloring or anything like that. Like these feel almost like, like Jack Kirby pages or something like, and they really do pop off the page. Like everything just feels so, yeah, everything just feels so energetic. It, yeah. it feels so kinetic on the page there. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not the greatest. I mean, even just like Shaft's face and hair in those first few pages are just out of control. But I do want to <laughs> mention, uh, as far as this being kind of prescient, they inc- the fact that they had become the first sort of comic book celebrities, that was incorporated into a lot of their comics because the superheroes in the world of a lot of these image comics are celebrities as well. Yeah. And so the home team like has like the paparazzi following Shaft. People know who he is. And like that's a, that seems like it's not the brand new thing in comics at this point, but still like not well-worn ground. You know, it wasn't. Right. And it's still You're something. Seeing the Fantastic Four do that, you know, like even though everyone knew who they were. Yeah, so it's a kind of a a, a a fun forward-looking comic. As far even though the art might be you know amateurish at times, like he was the and the story's not that great. There were still some ideas here where he was kind of doing a little bit more than you might get in the average mainstream comic, and kind of pushing the boundaries of what you know superhero comics are and can be about. They're just, there's just something like we're saying, like, yeah, the art is a little weird and the faces, but there's just something so like self-trained about Rob Liefeld. Like you look at his art and you're like, this is a guy who just like figured it out himself how to do art like this. And there's kind of like no one else that does it like this. 
All right, so moving on to the next number one, Spawn, Todd McFarlane Spawn. Okay. Now, this one is an interesting one. I, re- I remember I definitely had Spawn number one. Oh, me too. When it, when it came out. And I thought it was going to fucking send me, the, I thought it would buy me a house someday. You know, I had Spawn <laughs> number one. I, ne- I never particularly, uh, I never participated in the speculative stuff. I always bought comics to read. Them. I mean, I, I never... did too, but I, you know, I still had in the back of my mind because people would always say that about comics. I'd be like, well, I have a Spawn number one in my back pocket. So, you know, if things ever get bad, I have that Spawn number one. And it's so funny because people thought that comic books would be worth so much because they were so popular but because they were so popular they were right. 8 million copies right. of X-Men number 1 sitting around the so reason why the anything. reason why old comics you know became worth so much money is because people use them as toilet paper and like kindling for the fire and stuff like that like people would like throw them in the trash and so to find like some of these comics from you know the 40s through 60s you know it is exceedingly rare to find you know a good quality copy or something these ones that printed 8 million copies and people immediately put them in like polystyrene bags or whatever they're never going to be worth anything (laughs) sorry the bags are probably worth more than some of these comics (laughs) are at this point all right and so spawn number one fantastic art fantastic cover what's fucking insane about spawn number one is i'm like i don't even i'm not even like the biggest spawn fan in the world but i read a lot of spawn and i remembered like every panel of this comic in rereading this i was like there's just something so cool about spawn and the art style of spawn which is like kind of this hybrid of like 90s marvel realistic but that also has a lot of cartoony elements you know like Sam and Twitch or whatever are like very cartoony in their design. And yeah, there's something that, there's something just very, very cool about the, you know, what Todd McFarlane was doing with his art uh, at this time. And I feel like I've read this comic like hundreds of times or something. And another one with a little bit of politics, Spawn, a.k.a. Al Simmons, who saved uh, President Ronald Reagan's life <laughs> and then became like some dark ops super soldier uh who had it's almost had, like he was like in young blood before spawn even happens you know what i mean it feels like he was in some sort of weird task force you know and then died and became spawn he's not like a good person or a superhero like at all like he we find out later that the reason he's uh has his powers is because he was so fucking evil the devil had wanted to hire him to run uh his army so while while you know in the marvel side of things every you know cop is a hero every soldier is a hero in the image they're like you know most soldiers are just like you know psychopaths who just go around <laughs> killing people uh for money i just like this first issue of spawn and you know uh, you know i guess comparatively to to you know what what was going on with young blood i'm like yeah mcfarlane really has liefeld beat is like i he seems like so much more of a dick and a weird annoying guy and liefeld has like such fun energy when you see him interviewed but todd mcfarlane is was kind of like maybe like the 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 best kind of 90s comic art guy and you know looking at this comic and seeing you know how inspired it is by like dark knight returns and stuff like that it just feels like like a natural evolution that was just so fucking cool i just remember spawn being so fucking cool when i was young 
Yeah, there's a lot of Dark Knight Returns, and they they uh, and Youngblood has it too, where they do the TV talking heads. Yeah. Uh, oh, but that first two pages of Spawn, where it's like there's panels like out directly out of Dark Knight Returns, like when he's standing in front of like the lightning, and it's all him all in silhouette. Like that's just like you know with with credit to Frank Miller or whatever. All right, moving on to my personal favorite. Then and I think now. Jim Lee's Wildcats. Jim Lee's sure. coming off his uh, great one run on X-Men uh, with Chris Claremont. Um, legendary run on the comic. De- definitional run of the X-Men. And he comes across and makes a new X-Men. A new team book called The Wildcats. And I was obsessed and in love with The Wildcats. As wow. soon as I saw him, I one of my favorite comic books. Uh, series of all time have always loved Wildcats still and going back and rereading it I still had a lot of fun with it I think it's still good I think the art's still good and I think the storytelling Mm -hmm. uh, the story on this one I think is pretty good I think it might be the best storytelling and maybe not maybe the second most interesting story on the whole maybe Savage Dragon story is a little bit more interesting but it's not told as well I think yes I I was gonna say I really am impressed yeah by Jim Lee kind of as a writer in this I think that he is able to well, get in. Well, he did in. have uh, Brandon Cho uh, working oh, with him. Oh, okay. As well. well, I didn't realize so, that. Yeah, um, so he, he cheated. He, uh, he cheated. He, he brought a writer on. <laughs> well, I was going to say, because I, I feel like he squeezes so much more story into this, you know, especially versus, uh, you know, Youngblood or something like that. Like, this, Youngblood feels and he had, so... Well, he had a lot of practice because he, I, I mean, cheating too, because he was working with Chris Claremont all yeah. this time where Todd McFarlane or Rob Liefeld, they're writing their own stuff some of the time yeah and so you know i i I did feel like reading this one i was like damn this like world is interesting this feels a little more like the kind of writer driven comics that we're more used to now you know like when we're getting into like you know talking about the 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 different sort of when we go to like the villains and the guy and the guys killing him and everything like that it just feels like a fuller world you know than young blood or even spawn does like spawn is like cool from beginning to end but its scope feels kind of like small yeah and it's all about this guy like there just is a in a feeling in reading wildcats that there's like a sort of big global mystery going on that yeah. feels cosmic and feels you know uh, intriguing yeah it's the one that feels like an actual full-fledged comic book with a comic book script to everything else feels like a guy kind of like going at the page you know this one feels like very fully formed yeah you have you know uh it's a the story of wildcats is basically that on earth there's these secret superheroes i think they're called the caribou and then the daemonites who are these secret villains that can shape shift and take over people's bodies and it's this eternal war but the care and the daemonites are like involved in government oh yeah so dan quell is actually in this comic <laughs> as part of <laughs> of the villains uh because he he has been taken over by a daemonite uh, who, uh, and I, I don't know what the Damonites, I guess they want to take over Earth just because there are some things that aren't entirely fleshed out. And actually, uh, Alan Moore changed up a lot of the lore uh, behind this, but the Caribou were the good guys in general. You had the uh, Zealot, who is part of the Coda Sisterhood, 
who are like all these warrior uh, women. Uh, you have Grifter, who is my guy. He just is a guy <laughs> with two guns and a cool ass mask. Uh, Grifter kicks ass. He's like he's got like almost like the gambit coolness of the '90s. You know, like I know he's not Cajun or whatever, but he just feels like a sort of gambit character. Yeah, he was a gambit guy. You have Void, our our teleportress, Voodoo. Who's uh who is like half Damonite half uh, Is Voodoo the one he describes as like sex and violence all wrapped into one? No, that's Zealot, actually. Okay, Zealot, okay. Yeah, Voodoo was just the sex at this point. I don't think Voodoo <laughs> didn't really fight until later. It was Zealot. Right. Zealot is the one who has the two swords. Uh, no, she has one sword and like a razor sharp boomerang that she's holding <laughs> on her hand. And she has three or four more on her back, and she's just walking in the club. Like what's up? Anybody? But she comes at the end of the fight, so she doesn't even do anything. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I thought this comic was really cool. It did feel like, again, it, it felt like there's a whole universe out there, and it did. This is the one of all of them that I was like, damn, should I like read all of Wildcats? You know? Well, uh, yeah. Well, the answer is yes, because it actually wow. it gets better. Like the writing stays pretty good, and then Chris Claremont actually comes in for a run. Oh, wow! And then eventually Alan Moore comes in for an extended run. So. Wildcats of all these comments we're talking about today, if you you were going to pick one to deep dive in into, and and unless you just straight up fell in love with Spawn or uh, Savage Dragon, Wildcats is one worth sticking with. Yeah, Young Blood, we're not we're not advising to to, to, to <laughs> look Moore, at any. I further. think Alan Moore did a little bit on that too. I know some. Alan Moore did a long run, a, a, a great run on Supreme, yes. which was uh, Rob Liefeld's kind of Superman knockoff that like fucking kicks ass and kind of you know outdoes a lot of what Grant Morrison ended up doing in sort of Final Crisis and Multiversity. You know, like twenty years ahead of him doing it. <laughs> Image Comics was like twenty years ahead of the other big two. Like so, like you can see the DNA for the Ultimates in the comics. Blood. Like the comics look like how modern comics look. Like Spawn looks like the Ultimates. You know what I mean? Like the kind of more cinematic uh, panels and the computer coloring and everything like that. It, it looks like comics 20 years uh, in the future. All right. So Savage Dragon by Eric Larson. This one, I, the story, this one, I was actually surprised by how much I ended up liking it. I remember uh, when I first read it as a kid, like really liking Savage Dragon, just because it felt so different and also felt very personal I, in, I, in a certain way. I love Savage Dragon. I do. And I've read a lot of it. And this one, you know, I'm I, I'm not going to say that this issue made me be like, I've got to understand the whole world of Savage Dragon in the same way that Wildcats did. But there is something so cool about that Eric Larson is doing kind of like the classic comic book thing, like the classic Jack Kirby thing of he is just like doing a serialized story that he's going to do, you know, every month until he dies. And yeah, it does feel a little more personal, you know, Savage Dragon himself as a character feels a little more human than any of the other characters oh, we read in any yeah. of these other comics, you know, um, Savage Dragon is really cool. And it kind of even like, 
has kind of like a look like Hellboy or something like that. Like it is, you know, it's a different, very Jack Kirby inspired kind of look. Um, but I think that he does a lot more with actually just like the black and white inks on the page, you know, than than even some of these other comics did. I've read a lot of Savage Dragon. I said earlier, you know, I even feel like maybe I want to catch up now because he's still doing them. But, you know, Savage Dragon is really cool just in like it is the just the serialized nature of it and then how unbroken it is just by like one guy doing this comic. Um, I love long comic runs, you know, like I like when Mark Wade did like a hundred issues of Flash and stuff like that. I miss long comic runs and Savage Dragon is like one of the greats you know that this guy and also savage dragon as a character feels interesting and different you know from from the characters that we've seen at dc and marvel you know like a lot of the other comics we read you know those characters could just fit in marvel and dc comics especially marvel pretty easily savage dragon feels a little different and yeah i couldn't imagine savage dragon hanging out with you know the marvel guys he's just different he's like a cop but he's like a dirty cop. He's and depressed he's, and, and drunk. He's depressed and a drunk. Well, he's not that dirty. He's just violent. But then yes. he's his like mentor is like a dirty cop now yeah. helping the villains and just helping. He's uh making sending Savage Dragon at low level villains or people who aren't even villains. Superheroes are just like uh, who are unhoused. Yeah. Uh, instead of like main uh, like the big time villains because they have blackmail on him and we find this out very quickly it's just uh, all of it he just dumps it on the page uh really quick the pacing of this is so disjointed but in a way yeah. that it kind of works for it it feels like he's writing it as he's drawing it which is like kind of cool it feels like he's like you know didn't script this and is just going straight to the page the entire time and i don't know there's something like very classically comic booky feeling about it and like i said it kind of reminds me of the like you know when Jack Kirby was just doing like four, you know, fourth world books a month and just cranking them out. Um, yeah, like I, I like Savage Dragon. It's also very weirdly kind of just ends on a really strange beat where he just says goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> People, I had to like look up and make sure that was really the last page. And I'm like, yeah, I guess it's just to be continued till next month. Yeah, it's kind of like like he just ran out of pages, like you say. He was writing as he was he was drawing and writing at the same time. He's just like, oh shit, hit page uh, Here's thirty two. Like, yeah, yeah <laughs> done, done. Um, yeah, I like Savage Dragon a lot. I like the world of Savage Dragon and Eric Larson's art is very cool and very Kirby esque and just a little different than than you know a lot of the art that we see. Like uh, I, I I walked away from reading Savage Dragon being like, maybe I should catch back up on Savage Dragon. That was Struggle Session. Thank you so Thanks much. Thanks for listening. For playing this out today, here's Red Scare with Sanctity Tapestry.
like what you hear, want to hear more, check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.